Hi lovely, welcome to Bloom Best Stories. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Kate, I'm a passionate mama of three and a doula and I absolutely adore listening to women share their sacred birth stories. This is a loving space just for that. Each week I'll be chatting to women across Australia as they share their unique, very special journey to baby. This week I'm joined by the lovely Kat who shares her two birth stories with us. She also very openly and tenderly shares her experience with prenatal and postpartum depression and anxiety. How that inspired her to become a postpartum doula and now support other women as they journey from maiden to mother. It's a great episode and Kat speaks so beautifully. I'm sure you'll enjoy listening along. Beautiful, Kat. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to hear your birth stories. Thank you. I'm excited to share. (laughs) Before we do that, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, for sure. So before we begin, I do just want to like thank you for doing this. I think it's so incredibly important to share birth stories and not only for like the visibility and the transparency of like different birth stories and everyone understanding that there's a different story but it's like deeply therapeutic for the mother herself as well so it's incredibly important stuff that you're doing here so thank you for doing that thank you the the pleasure is honestly mine so um (laughs) yeah so uh who's in your fam so we've got myself my husband michael we've got stella who will be three in december and then there's luca who will be one in december yeah beautiful and you're in melbourne right we are. We're based in Melbourne and I'm um, also a postpartum doula. Yay. <laughs> All right. Did you want to take us right back from the beginning? How was your conception journey? We were really, really lucky. Um, my husband and I had no issues conceiving either of our children. And like, you know, I'd just like to take a moment for anyone who hasn't had a similar journey, but with both of our kids, um, yeah, we were lucky to fall pregnant straight away. Um So, yeah, like a super cruisy pregnancy with Stella. I was just stoked to be pregnant and I just fully immersed myself in that world. I became obsessed with birth and postpartum and like learning all about everything. And my husband calls me the R&D department of our family because like everything I go through, there's so much research that goes into it. I'm just like I get fully obsessed with everything. So I was just, yeah, deeply immersed in pregnancy and and birth and everything like that. So I had a really, you know, pretty straightforward pregnancy with Stella apart from suffering um, from prenatal depression and anxiety, which I didn't really know that it was a thing, to be honest. Like I, I knew that postpartum depression was a thing, but the anxiety side of it and also like having it while I was pregnant, I wasn't aware that that would happen. And it it was hard and I I struggled a lot with it. I was just constantly worried that something was going to happen to Stella while I was pregnant with her. I was constantly like tracking her movements and everything like that. And I, I feel like that definitely continued on into my postpartum period with her. So that was something that I'm really passionate about talking to mothers about now because yeah, I was kind of blindsided by it. And even when it happened, when I was pregnant with Luca, I was blindsided by it again. And I was like, what's happening? Like, I just didn't expect it the second time around because, you know, I was like, I'm a seasoned mom now, like, this is fine. So, um, 
yeah, but apart from that, it was a, a pretty straightforward pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. When um, you were pregnant with Stella, was that uh, depression, did you recognise that in the moment or was that something that you reflected on after you'd had her? It was a little bit of both, to be honest. I knew that I wasn't feeling right and I didn't feel like myself and that everything felt really heavy Um, and it was a lot of the anxiety as well, like just these incredible like intrusive thoughts that would just take over my entire brain um just like really ridiculous stuff like being on a train and seeing someone with a backpack and being like that person is going to kill me like for no reason like so just yeah it was more the anxiety and the depression was just feeling low a lot of the time despite being so happy. And I remember like saying to everyone, I love being pregnant. Like this is my natural state. This is what I was born to do and all of this stuff. And then but I was just like really, really low at, I don't know, at, at most points of my pregnancy. And so I knew that I wasn't feeling like myself. And I think then once I came out of that fog, I was able to kind of look back on it and go, oh, yeah, okay, that's what that was. Mm, Okay. Wow, really hard. Um, Yeah. Talk to anyone about it? On and off, not really. More so in my pregnancy with Luca when I kind of was like, this is a repeat pattern. I need to seek help for this because I can't do this alone. I think pregnancy can feel so isolating. And I, there were certain parts of that that I loved because I was like, Stella would kick. And I was like, if I don't tell anyone about this, it's just her and I like, we're just sharing this little secret. We're in our own little world. This is just us. We're united in this. And that felt so special. And then at other times I was like, I'm alone in this. I'm the only person who's going through this. I'm the only person who's suffering the consequences. You know, when I wasn't feeling well, I got, I had pretty bad, um, like pelvic girdle pain. So I like towards the end of my pregnancy really struggled to move and walk. And it was the reason I went on mat leave earlier than I wanted to, because I just couldn't like commute into my office or anything. But um, yeah, just the, the isolation of pregnancy was just, you know, at some points it was incredible. And then other points it was like the lowest I've ever felt. So I wish I did speak more about it. I, I don't know why I didn't, to be honest. And it's funny because I had postpartum depression as well. And then I didn't talk to anyone about that either. And it's just, yeah, it's interesting how we bottle it up. I think I was very afraid of seeming like a bad mother or like this wasn't like people would think like, oh, she's not very good at being pregnant or she's just whingy or whatever. If I shared how low I was feeling. And so I was like very conscious of putting that out there that, oh, I'm just like a pregnant goddess. Look how happy I am. Um, but yeah, no, I thinking back on it now, I wish I shared more, but um, yeah, just kind of kept it to myself. Yeah. Um, I imagine that that would have been pretty scary, particularly that first time around. I mean, being pregnant and then you still had the birth and then postpartum, which is like even more so isolating at times. Um, yeah. For sure. But I think it was like the only thing getting me through it. It was the light at the end of the tunnel. And I was just kind of like, this is hard now, but once she's here, everything's going to get better. Because I was like, I'm scared now because I can't see her. 
like I can feel her, but I can't see her or protect her. I didn't feel like my body was doing a very good job of protecting her. Um, and so I was just like scared all the time. Um, and so I just kept saying, as soon as I've had her, everything will be perfect and I'll never be sad again. Um, but <laughs> how silly that was. Yeah. I think sometimes as well, um, we have to realize that of course, being blessed with pregnancy and being so happy about that is separate from those other feelings and, you know, erasing that stigma or yeah, for ourselves and just thinking that, you know, we're allowed to feel that way. And sometimes it just happens, even if we do all of the right things, um, and yeah. just putting in that and do what we need to do and access the support and our community so that we can feel damn good and just supported. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's the reason I kind of talk to people about it now is because if anyone is kind of struggling in silence, feeling like there's going to be judgment if they talk about what they're going through. I, I like to share my story because then it's like no judgment here. Like it's mm. beautiful. Sure. But not everyone is going to experience it as beautiful all the time. I know you had HG for your pregnancies and like, mm you can still enjoy your pregnancy whilst going through difficult moments throughout it. And yeah, you're right. It's just so important to find that support in that community. Yeah, for sure. And were you birthing at your local public hospital? Yes. So um, I was living in St Kilda at the time. So we were sectioned to Sandringham because we were just kind of like right in the middle of Sandringham and the women's. Um, But yeah, so that was interesting <laughs> to say the least, but yeah. Yeah. So did you do any birth education or just your own research and reading? Yeah, I did the hospital course, which I regret. No, I don't regret it. There was nothing negative to come of it, but I also like there was nothing positive to come of it. Mm-hmm. I think the own, my own research was more thorough. I read a lot of books on hypnobirthing and like, um, yeah, like listen to a lot of podcasts, definitely people sharing their birth stories and stuff because I really wanted to feel totally prepared. I even like made myself listen to ones that I found hard to listen to that definitely triggered my anxiety because I just, I needed to know everything about everything. Um, But yeah, the hospital one was super disappointing. I remember we were driving home afterwards and my husband said to me, he's like, I think you've told me more than what I learned in those like four hours in there. And I was like, okay, good to know. Yeah, yeah, okay. And approaching Stella's due date, how were you feeling? Did you go over your guest date? I didn't. I, yeah, towards the end, the anxiety really kicked up a notch um, and I started getting concerned about her movements. I just didn't trust myself. I was, I was like, no, this can't be right. This, like, I swear I haven't felt her. And then if she did move, I was like, I would convince myself that it was something super sinister that was happening. Um, And so, yeah, I was really counting those kicks and everything like that and, and just getting so stressed out about it. And then I reached, I think I was 38 weeks. Um, and I was like, I haven't felt her all day. And, you know, I had all these treats that I did. And then, you know, I'd eat a chocolate bar, I'd drink an orange juice, I'd, you know, lay down for 20 minutes. And like those 
kind of things would like make me feel her. And then I'd be like, okay, she's fine. Like, you know, like talk to myself and kind of go, go within. I used to call it like, just to be like, so like we're here, we're fine. Like just try and be present in it and, and talk down my anxiety. And then this time it was just kind of like, there was nothing and I was doing all my tricks and she was just like, there was, there was no movement. Um, and so I called the hospital and they were like, no, definitely come in. And they were super good with that. This was probably, oh gosh, maybe the fourth or fifth time that I'd gone in for reduced movements. Some of which was anxiety, some of which was reduced movements. Um, and so we got in there and they did the CTG and everything. And they even did an ultrasound and they were like, look, she's fine. Like the trace shows that she's fine. The ultrasound shows that she's fine, but we're worried about your mental health because this is the fifth time that you've come in. Um, and I can see, Oh, that's right. Sorry. Before that I had my 38 week appointment with, and it was with an obstetrician. And he said to me, Oh, studies show that, um, if you have an induction at 39 weeks, you're less likely to need, an emergency cesarean um, because uh, he didn't even say why actually. And, you know, my naivety, I didn't ask to see the study or anything like that. I just kind of was like, this doctor's telling me like what is best. And I was like deeply afraid of having a cesarean. I know that works for a lot of people, but for me, I was just like, I don't want to have surgery. Like that really scared me. Um, and so I just trusted him and I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Book an induction, which is just, it was so counterintuitive because I'd spent my whole pregnancy knowing that I didn't want an induction. And then he said it to me and I was just like, I think I was also like super uncomfortable in my body and, you know, the pelvic girdle pain was just pretty intense. Um, and I was impatient. I wanted to meet my baby that I'd been dreaming of my entire life. So I was like, he's like saying you can meet a, you know, like next week I was like, okay, sign me up. Mm -hmm. And so then that night when I was like 38 weeks and they were doing all the checks, they said to me, we can see that the obstetricians recommended an induction. So we're just going to say that we need to do that now. Like your mental health has gotten so severe that this is what we're recommending. And I was like, okay. And my husband was there with me and he go, and they said, okay, so we can do it tonight or we can do it. You can come back tomorrow. And my husband's like, yeah, we'll do it tonight. Cause he was just like, so excited to meet Stella. He just wanted to get in there. And I was like, no, no, we left straight after dinner. I haven't done the dishes. I need one last night's sleep, like just me <laughs> without like a baby. Um, let's go home. So we went home and I had like no sleep because I was just so anxious and excited and everything. And I remember like being in the shower and rubbing my belly and being like, I'm going to see you so soon. And just like being like, this is like one of our last moments where it's just us like soon I have to share you with everyone. And so, um, yeah, it was kind of bittersweet. We, Michael and I had a, a brunch the next day and I didn't need a thing because I was so nervous and then went into um, the hospital for the induction that afternoon. Nice. And, and how did that go? What was your induction method? What did they suggest? So I was pretty, I think my cervix was still pretty closed. Um, so they did the balloon catheter. Um, I hated it. I hated 
every single minute of it. And I'm, I don't want to like <laughs> say it in case anyone's having the same method of induction and like to scare them. I know a lot of women have no issues with it whatsoever. And then some women do have a lot of pain and I had an insane amount of pain. And I honestly thought it had kicked me straight into labor because I was like having these contractions every couple of minutes. I'm like, it was like scary. And I just kept saying to the midwives, like, this doesn't feel right. Like this is so extremely painful. And I remember one came to me and she's like, mm, it shouldn't be. Would you like some Panadol? And I was like, offering a woman who thinks she's in labor Panadol is probably the worst thing you could do. Like I was just like, yeah, no, I'm good. Um, and so I just said to them, I was like, I need you to take some, cause they fill the, the cap, the balloon catheter, they put it in your cervix, they fill it with saline and it, you know, um, dilates your cervix. And so I just said, you need to get whoever back here and take some of the saline out of the catheter because it's not working for me. Like I'm not going to be able to sleep. And then I think eventually they gave me morphine or something like that. And I, it knocked me straight out. Thank God. Um, and I was able to get a good night's sleep and then kick things off in the morning where they did the, they took the catheter out and then we got on the syntosin drip um so this was it was I think it was like a Thursday morning we went in on a Wednesday afternoon and then Thursday morning we started the syntosin and it just was a very long process and like I know that you've been induced and it doesn't your body doesn't have a chance to kind of understand those contractions. And so it just like, I, I struggled with them because it was like going from zero to a hundred and, you know, all of these methods that I'd had in mind for my pain relief, like movement and being in the shower and, you know, my husband rubbing my back and, and all of those things went straight out the window because I needed the continuous monitoring and the hospital didn't have the wireless monitoring. So they said, no, you need to lay on the bed. And I was like, can I at least go on the birthing pool? And then I tried that and they were like, oh, actually we're not getting a great trace when you do that. So no, you need to get back in the bed. And I was like, can I get in the shower for like a minute? And they were like, no, you can't get in the shower. So it was just like, I felt like I had no flexibility there. I had no agency, I suppose. Like I, I couldn't decide how I was going to continue birthing. And I didn't, I, I didn't want to have an epidural because I knew that that could change, I don't know, my experience a little bit. I knew that it could slow the labor down. I, I had read a lot of things, you know, for and against. And I was like, I want to go as long as I can without the epidural and try and like, you know, let the induction kick things off and then let my body take over. Um, but yeah, it just was too much. It was my body couldn't really handle um the induction. And so I ended up getting an epidural and then that was great. <laughs> I was like super relaxed. I remember like watching like YouTube and like chilling out and, you know, this was pre COVID. So I had my sister, I had one of my best friends who's also a midwife. Um, and I had my husband there. And so it just felt like a party. It was great with, but, um, yeah, just like super relaxed and stuff. I didn't like the feeling of being numb from the waist down. I didn't, I couldn't get comfortable. I like yeah, I didn't like that, but, um, so yeah, they, we had the epidural and then they checked me in a couple of hours and they were like, 
oh, you're not dilated at all. I was at like a three or something and I'd been laboring for quite a long time. And they said to me, oh, we need to recommend an emergency cesarean. And I was like, I'm not ready for that. Like I'd like to give my body some more time. And they were like, okay, we're going to give you four more hours. Um, and then if you haven't dilated any further, um, you're going in for a Caesar. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And so they kind of left me alone for four hours. And I said to my husband and like everyone that, you know, just not to talk to me. And I said, just like, go have a rest. Cause this was like the middle of the night by this point. And so I just kind of like kicked everyone out and I just like, <laughs> honestly, it was like long meditation. I just put my headphones in. I listened to music. I held my belly. I spoke to Stella and I just kind of like said to myself, if this is what needs to happen to bring my baby here, then this is what's going to happen. And I accepted the fact that there was a possibility I would have a cesarean, which, and I said, you know, like, it wasn't in my plan, but that doesn't matter. Like I'll do what I need to do. And I just really like went within and I, I spoke to Stella. I spoke to myself and it, it felt really special. And I still like look back on those four hours with so much like pride, I think, because I, I had all these like discouraged midwives and people telling me, yeah, there's no way you're going to dilate enough in those four hours. Like you've only gotten to three centimeters this whole time. We, you just need to like understand that you will be getting an emergency cesarean. And they were just really trying to prepare me for that, which I totally understand from their point of view, but as a birthing woman, just their lack of confidence, it was, yeah, it, it upset me a little bit, but you know, with hindsight, it, I didn't let it get to me, which was, I'm really proud of that. Um, so they came in after those four hours and I think it was like, gosh, like four o'clock in the morning at that point, um, maybe even a bit later, but they, um, they checked my cervix and before they did, they were saying, okay, you just, you need to know there's, there's almost no way that you're going to be dilated enough. And then they looked at me and I was eight centimeters and they were like, oh, okay. You're almost ready to have a baby. And they were like, okay, just relax because you'll be 10, you know, in the next couple of hours and then we'll be ready. And then within half an hour, it was at 10 centimeters and like ready to push. And I, I found pushing with an epidural quite difficult and I didn't enjoy that process. And I didn't like the coached pushing or the purple pushing. It didn't feel very natural, but I did it. Um, and Stella was born <laughs> and it was just like the best moment of my life having that little babe on my chest. Like just, I just remember being like, you're here. Like I've dreamed of this my entire life, but more specifically those past nine months. And then she was, she was there and she was crying and she was, we were all incredibly happy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And just like, how amazing. What a relief after especially after I guess your experience experience and having some disappointing midwives I mean yeah yeah it was really upsetting but like honestly I just looking back on it now I didn't let it get to me one bit and it's just crazy I'm like was that me being naive or was that just me being like hopeful like but yeah, I'm super proud of that. Oh, I didn't, I forgot to mention, um, I did have an episiotomy as well. I remember they had to get some obstetrician in because Stella was in distress for a lot of it, which can be common with an induction. Um, 
And so she, the obstetrician was like, okay, I need to cut an episiotomy. And I was like, oh, I've been doing pretty massage. Do you mind if I try and stretch? And he literally laughed at me and he's like, no, I'm going to cut an episiotomy, which now I'm like, "Mm, is this consent? But um, I mean, it happened and it healed fine. So <laughs> in, it's okay now, but yeah, just really frustrating. I think if I, if someone told me that story, I'd be like, what are you kidding? Yeah. I sometimes think maybe particularly with the first time mums, they think, oh, you know, it's okay. They're a bit naive. And then if we went in there for the second time, knowing what we know and having been through it before, I just don't know if they would have the balls. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And they really take advantage of that in your first pregnancy. So it's it's sad. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So how long did you stay in hospital? I think we were, I think it was just the, I birthed her. It was like five o'clock in the morning or something. So we stayed, I think it was that one night and then, yeah, went home the next day. So she was jaundice um, because she was a bit early. Um, so, well, not early, but earlier than she wanted to be, I think. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we there was the possibility of us going back in so she could have the blue light therapy, but we didn't end up needing to do that. And we went home and just kind of like, we're like, what do we do with this baby? <laughs> but yeah, so just the one night in hospital. And I was really glad about that. I wanted to get home. I wanted to be in my own bed. I felt like I couldn't really like talk to the midwives um, and or ask for help. Um, yeah, I really struggled with that in the hospital. I just felt like, I don't know. I don't, sometimes I feel like there are some midwives who are super tenured and they've been doing the job for a long time and they don't see the magic in it anymore, which it is just like they forget that they're a part of the most important day of someone's life Um, and they can be nasty. (laughs) So I struggled a little bit with that and I was very excited to go home and to be able to lean on Michael as well. But, yeah, so just the one night, which was really good. Yeah. I think as well perhaps they or not just midwives in particular but anyone like a mother is so highly sensitive and vulnerable in that time and we remember the smallest of things a little sentence a look a vibe um we're just very very sensitive so if they're not super in tune with that or forget then it might leave us feeling yeah uncomfortable yeah totally agree yeah um and you said that you had a little bit of postpartum depression did you want to um chat about that quickly before we jump into your next bit yeah so um I really didn't recognize it as postpartum depression I couldn't even tell you the first time that I I noticed it it just was like I don't know it was it was more anxiety than anything and it was those intrusive thoughts it was that like if I put Stella in the pram and I go for a walk, we're both going to die or she's going to die or I'm going to do something wrong and and she's going to get kidnapped. Like these crazy things would just go round and round in my head constantly. Um, But just the depression, I just kept like really comparing myself to other mothers and, you know, just being like, oh, 
you know, that mother has more money than me and then that mother's thin and she's beautiful. And then this mother is, you know, smarter or this mother was already a nurse. So she's like obviously going to be a better mother because she understands all the medical stuff. And just like that just got me. Yeah, it was really bad. It was, I was just low all the time. And I was just like, I don't know. I didn't, it wasn't presenting as typical postpartum depression, which it's, you know, there's no such thing as typical postpartum depression. But the thing that I had prepared myself with for postpartum depression was that I wouldn't bond with my baby or I wouldn't enjoy my new role as a mother. Um, So I was confused why I was feeling like this because I loved Stella more than anything in the entire world. And I loved being a mother and I wasn't, so I was just like, I'm bad at this. That's why this feels so crappy all the time. That's why I feel horrible all the time. And I just, I couldn't, like, even if Stella was sleeping, I couldn't sleep because I was worried about her or I was up like thinking about everything that I'd done that day that I considered wrong, I suppose. Um, So, yeah, like I remember thinking, is this postpartum depression? And then being like, no, no, I love my baby. Like it's not because, yeah, I feel like a lot of the narrative around postpartum depression is that, you know, a lot of women don't bond with their baby straight away and and that's what can bring it on. So, um, yeah, I wasn't prepared for it it and I struggled with it for a long time. I think honestly until she was turned one. That's when I kind of came out of the fog of it. Mm, Wow. Were you talking to your husband about this? A little bit. Um, I've kind of like battled with my mental health my entire life. So he knew that it was something um, that I'd experienced. and, And I think every so often I would bring it up. But I think by the time I did bring it up, it was like a breakdown. It was never like just a conversation where I was like, I'm feeling flat. I feel like I'm not good at this. It was just like, I was, I would have full blown like panic attacks and anxiety attacks and just like couldn't breathe and stuff because I just felt like Stella deserved someone better than me. I wasn't a good enough mom for her. And it just like, it took over every single waking moment. And, you know, my husband was good with it. He was just you know, like you're the best mother for Stella that there could possibly be. And he said all the right things and stuff. Um, But I don't think either of us really knew how to proceed with it, Um, which makes me sad now. I I wish I leaned on support services like Panda and I wish I spoke to other people. I wish I, you know, booked him with a psychologist. And I mean, hindsight's an amazing thing, but um, yeah, I didn't, I really kept it in and to the point where a lot of people who have, like now that I've spoken about it with them, even like one of my best friends, she was like, I had no idea you were struggling. And she said, I thought you stayed at home all the time because you were just so swept up in how in love with your baby you were. You didn't have time for anyone else. You just didn't want to be with anyone else because you just wanted to be with Stella. And she's like, I didn't realize it was like just fear, like constant fear and pain that I was going through. So that makes me sad that I didn't even like lean on some of my best friends and family. Yeah, yeah. so so sad and also so common. Imagine if 
Stella only knew those thoughts that you were having, like you were thinking mm-hmm. that you weren't doing a good job. She would just say, Mama, don't be silly. You're doing amazing. Yeah. It's so true. And even those little looks when they're little babies and, you know, you're breastfeeding and she just like will look up in my eyes and smile. And I was like, okay, I've got to be doing something right because like this connection couldn't be like this if, if I was as messed up as I thought I was. So there were definitely moments of light throughout it all, but yeah, there was, there was a lot of darkness there too. So now going into your next conception, was that planned? Was there any worries about that anxiety again? It was planned. Um, as soon as Stella turned one, I was like, <laughs> let's do it again. I think, I don't know. I found that everything became easier when she was one. And so I was just, I just got all of the stuff that we'd dealt with before and was like, let's go again. Um, so I think I was, she would, she was like 14 months old when I fell pregnant with Luca. There was stress about, um, about the anxiety. And before Michael and I um, started trying, I did say to him, cause I looked back on that birth as traumatic and, you know, it, it's hard to say what is and what isn't traumatic, now I can genuinely say I don't hold any trauma towards that birth at all. I feel like my birth story with Luca has kind of like healed me and I feel full circle in everything, which is such a beautiful thing and such a pleasure to say. Um, but yeah, I did like, I, I suffered a lot of, I, I guess, trauma from that birth. Um, and I said to Michael before we started trying that, my one condition was that I needed to have a doula at my next birth. And um, we were just kind of like coming out of like lockdowns and stuff like that. So I didn't really have any hesitation that I wouldn't be able to have a doula at my birth. Um, So yeah, that was like my one condition and he totally agreed to it because he was like, I thought you were going to say that you want to go to a private hospital and we're going to be like $15,000 out of pocket. So a doula is totally fine. Um, but yeah, um, a lot of, a lot of anxiety about anxiety, which is, was interesting. Um, but it was a different pregnancy. It felt really good from the beginning. I think it was a lot of distraction because I had a pretty chaotic toddler to chase after. So like there were a lot of times that I forgot I was even pregnant until like, I felt gross. And I was like, why do I feel like I'm going to be sick? And then I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm growing a baby. Um, So yeah, that was interesting. But I was like, it was a different world to when I was pregnant the first time. I think like we were existing in like the COVID world. So I was working from home for the entire time that I was pregnant. So I wasn't commuting into work. I didn't have to be on a train with other people. I didn't have to like sit at a desk if I didn't want to I could work from my bed and that was super helpful so I was like able to kind of rest and and all of those things that I I needed to do and that a lot of pregnant women need to do um so yeah it was it was super enjoyable I really I yeah I enjoyed it I did get anxiety and depression again and I think that's when I was kind of like this is a pattern this is what happened last time and so I did seek the help from Panda 
during Luca's pregnancy and um, I was lucky to find um, a psychologist who I really connected with and we were able to um, work on the trauma from my birth with Stella, which is the reason that I feel so positive towards it now. Um, But, yeah, so mental health was it wasn't great, but I had a good support team there. And, um, I think that was super important. I think that's what kind of kept me going and kept me getting through it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And fun fact, I was nearly going to be your doula, right? But then that did <laughs> Yes. I remember when I got that email, I was like, Oh, I'm so sad, but I'm so happy that she- she's pregnant but I'm so sad she's not my doula um but yeah so that's so I mean obviously so happy for you now um and I was able to find my lovely lovely doula dusk um also known as the listening mama so I mean I've never met a doula that I didn't like (laughs) um but yeah like you would have been an absolute blessing to have there. But I think you were very busy having little baby twins of your own. So it's fine. Cause we were like, I don't know, maybe a month apart. Yeah. And then, cause I, I had the babies a few weeks early. Yeah. They were only a few weeks apart in the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's really funny. So you had all of these beautiful people supporting you this time. And then you had your doula. So you were feeling good going into uh, Luca's birth. Yeah, it was it was special because I was just kind of like, I remember being pregnant with Stella. I went into the hospital and I was like, I'm pregnant, like at my first hospital appointment. And that it was all just very like, this is what you do now. This is the appointments that you come to. And I was like, why is no one excited? And so it was super important for me to have my own like care team that I'd curated for this pregnancy. And I did just that. And it was incredible. I had a student midwife as well called Charlotte and she was gorgeous. Um So, yeah, I felt really, really supported, which was amazing. Um, We did have a bit of a rocky moment. I went to get um, the NIPT test, which I did with Stella, and we didn't have any issues. Um, And then my doctor called me, and I was like, this is it. Like, I'm going to find out the gender and all of that kind of stuff. And she's like, oh, um, the test has come back, like, inconclusive. And she's like, look, it's super common. Don't worry. Go get your bloods retested. We'll send it back off and it'll be fine. So I go and get it retested again. She calls me and she's like, this has never happened before. Like, she's like, I have never had this happen to any of my patients before, but it's come back inconclusive again. She's like, I want to try one more time. And so I go and have it one more time. Nothing. Totally inconclusive. And this was at like 10 weeks pregnant or whatever it was. Um, And so that's three times inconclusive for this NIPT. And for me, at first, I was like, no, I just want to know the gender of my baby because I know like a lot of people don't find out. But for me, I I need to find out because it helps me connect with the baby. Like rather than seeing them as this like little alien who's sucking all my energy out of me, I was like, I I think it was important for me to find out. And, you know, I treat my children with the gender they were born as until they tell me otherwise. So gender doesn't actually matter. But for me at that moment, I needed to know. And then by the third time I was, it was less about that. And it was more like, is there something wrong with my baby? Um, And then, so we went to have the 20 week, is it the 20 week scan? Um, And 
I remember the um, radiologist like going a bit quiet and she was like, uh, I'm going to need you to come back tomorrow. Like we're just, I'm not able to get what I need. And I was like, okay. Um, and she was like super happy and like chatty with Michael and I before that. And then she just kind of like went quiet. And so I was like, okay, I'm trying not to read into this, but my anxiety is like peaking right now. And so we went back the next day and we got it. And then a few days later, I get a call from my doctor and she said that the, the Luca's brain was the size of the right-hand side of his brain was abnormal and it was, it was too large. Um, and so she said I had to be referred to this different, like a specialist radiologist who was also, I think they're also obstetricians or something. Um, and so they, they can explain to you instead of like waiting for the results afterwards, they tell you all about it. And so um, we went and got that specialist one done. And it was like a few days before one of the lockdowns was introduced. Um, and we, it was like, there was a lot of speculation that this lockdown was coming. And so I didn't bring Michael with me. And I remember getting into the room and the guy doing it was like, where's your partner? And I was like, oh, I just, I didn't think I could have anyone with me. And he's like, okay, we'll get your partner to come. And I was like, oh no, it's totally fine. Like, this is our second baby. We're used to all of this. Like, it's fine. He's picking up our daughter from childcare and he just kept insisting. And I like, I didn't read into it at all. Um, and then at the end he was like, your son's brain, oh, you're sorry, your baby. Cause we didn't know it was a boy. Your baby's brain is too large on one side. Um, and like, it's, it's abnormal. We need, it's, um, it's a risk of, I think it was like, gosh, I can't remember now, like um, chromosomal abnormalities, but he specified what it was. I think it was like one of the trisomy um, abnormalities. And he was saying, you know, this is, if, if he does have one of these things that we suspect he might, it's incompatible with life. And so you'd need to talk to your husband and decide if you're going to continue with the pregnancy. And I was just like, what? Like, I just, I could, I was just in so much shock. Um, and so the next step was to get referred back to my hospital where I was birthing at the women's. Um, so they could do an amniocentesis, um, where they put a needle into your stomach and get some of the amniotic fluid out and test that. Um, so I guess it's essentially like the NIPT, but, um, yeah, I guess just it's a different way of doing it um, and they don't really do it anymore because it is a risk of miscarriage. Um, so we did that and and everything ended up being totally fine and I remember everyone just kind of like being really stressed and I remember like bunches of flowers showing up at our door all the time and like our phones were ringing off the hook and stuff because my husband had told his family and my family and everything and everyone was really worried and everyone just kept saying, how are you okay? And I was like, what are these people talking about? He's fine. Like baby's fine. Like I just, I literally had no doubt in my mind that everything was okay, which is so bizarre because I am so anxious, especially when I'm pregnant. And so just this total knowing that my baby was okay is just like so special to me that I didn't have to exist in that anxiety for a minute, which was, you know, a great break. Um, 
But yeah, we got those results back and Luca was totally fine. Um, his brain ended up shrinking back down and they said it's normal, it can happen. So that was great. Um, and then we found out he was a boy, which was beautiful. Um, yeah, and then that takes us to his birth. So none of that was brought up again throughout the rest of your pregnancy? No. Um, they The women were incredible with it. They they made all these extra appointments and stuff and they were really in contact with me all the time, which was amazing. And, you know, there was it was a possibility I might have to go high risk and all of these things. And um, But no, they never, after we got those results back, so I had an MRI as well, um, and after we got the results from that and the amniocentesis and the MRI, they were just like, we're, we're comfortable with how you're proceeding. And I, I had, I think, one more ultrasound and everything looked really good. And I think they trusted my knowing as a mother. And, you know, it'd be interesting if it was my first baby, whether they'd, um, how they'd feel trusting me with like those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really brought up again, which was great. Yeah. Wow. So now going into his birth, were you thinking induction was on the cards for you again or you didn't want to do that after your first experience? I was so torn because so his due date was the 3rd and Stella's birthday is the 13th. Um, and I knew that I could possibly go over, obviously with my first birth, it wasn't spontaneous labor. So I didn't know when my body liked to birth. Um, and so I was like, I could go over and the idea of birthing on her birthday or around her birthday and not being with her on that day, like just made me really sad. And I was like, that's, that's our birthing day together. I can't not be with her for that. Um, so I kept, I had an induction plan and I made it clear to like my doula and I made it clear to, um, the hospital that I was interested in induction. If I went, I think if I went like one week overdue, I was like, I want to be induced because I don't want to yeah, miss out on her birthday, which it sounds trivial, but it was special to me. I just think that my body would know, like I wouldn't be able to effectively birth this boy um, because that was when I was birthing my little girl, you know. Um, but then we got to, it was the day before my due date. Sorry, let me just remember. Yeah, the day before my due date. So it was about 4 a.m. I woke up with this intense pain and it was like, at first I was like, this is a contraction. I'm going into spontaneous labor. And I was so excited because I was like, I didn't know if we were going to have more babies. And I was like, I just want to experience spontaneous labor. Like I would love to have that, you know, up, you know, it's just like incredible. You want to experience it. Yeah. Um, and so I really wanted to, but I just didn't want to get my hopes up. And so I was like just preparing myself for that induction. And so then I felt that feeling and I was like, oh, hold on, this isn't going away. And like 20 minutes had passed and I had the pain and it was the contraction, but it just wasn't going away. And I would, that's when I started to get worried because it started getting worse. And I was like, you know, my anxious brain went straight to placental abruption. And I was like, something, this isn't good. So I called the hospital and they were like, come in, like, we'll have a look. And so I went in um, and 
I remember the triage nurse saying to me, does your stomach get hard when you have the pain? And I was like, oh, because I said to her like, oh, sometimes it gets worse and then it gets a little bit better, but never completely better. She goes, when it gets worse, does your stomach go hard? And I was like, I never thought about it. And I just felt so silly. And then she's like, okay, come back, come back here, lay down. She's like, tell me when it gets worse. And so I was like, oh yeah, it's worse now. And she goes, yeah, babe, you're in labor. This is a contraction. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. Like I didn't know. And I just felt so silly. But then like I left the hospital and I was like on top of the world. Michael had taken Stella to his mum's house and I was in labor. Like I was just like, I didn't know this was possible. So this was the day before Lucas due date. And I was just like, so happy to be in spontaneous labor. And we like went out into the city for a bagel. And I was like eating a bagel in the, in like the bagel shop. And then I was like, Oh, having a contraction. And it was just the trivial nature of it for me. It was just so special that I was like going through that. And I was so pleased. Mm -hmm. And so that was like, the Thursday morning and then I labored throughout the day and then it came to that night or early evening and I was like we were like okay well we're gonna have to take Stella to Michael's mum's house because like it's gonna happen tonight it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and then we took her and nothing happened and then I was laboring on my own at home all night long. And I said to Michael, like, you need to go sleep because we don't know like what's going to happen here. Um, And so I was just laboring on my own in the lounge room and I was watching great British bake off and I was on my birthing ball and I was like sending these (laughs) like hectic voice notes to poor dusk, just being like, this sucks. But then like five minutes later being like, I can't believe I'm in labor. This is so fun. So it was just, I was erratic. Um, and then the next morning I called them and I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like it's getting really intense. And so we drove into the hospital and then I was totally in established labor and they were happy for me to come in. Thank God. And I know that this is kind of a controversial opinion, but I didn't like laboring at home. I felt really alone and I felt like, I don't know what it was, but it just didn't feel good for me. I feel like I needed to be around my support network and Dusk wasn't there because I wanted her to like save her energy. Um, And Michael was sleeping like the entire time. And I was like, even if he was here, like I don't know what he could be doing for me that would make me feel better, but I just wanted to be around people. So it felt real, I think. Um, So then once we got to the hospital, I was, I was happy to be at the hospital They didn't have any rooms though. So I labored for a long time in the food court at the women's and in the emergency room um, with my TENS machine around my neck and just like going into my own little world and stuff. So that was probably an interesting sight for all those people that got to witness that. But um, I didn't actually care, which is really funny because I am such a like nervous person and (laughs) everything. I didn't it was funny that I didn't care what anyone thought of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, continued to labor, then got into the room. And um, I remember walking into the room and seeing the midwife who I was lucky to have for my entire labor with Luca um, called Steph. And she was just 
I honestly feel like I walked into that room and she had a halo around her head. Like it was like there was like light shining on her. And the minute I walked into that birthing room, I was like, this is good. Like I just got the most incredible feeling and this, there was just an energy in there that I was like, this is amazing. Like this is everything that I've worked so hard for because I did so much work in my pregnancy to overcome my trauma and to, you know, do what I needed to do to have the birth of my dreams. Um, And I walked into that room and I was like, it's going to happen. Like I'm going to get it. And so that was about midday. I just continued to labor. And I just remember like um, having these like insanely intense contractions and saying, like screaming out to Michael saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And obviously now I can look back on that and go, there's transition. Um, But my husband was like, get her an epidural. What, what's happening? And I was like, no, I don't want an epidural. So I was really proud that I was like able to speak for myself. And, and, you know, even though I was in pain, I was able to remember what I wanted from this. Cause I really wanted to be active for this labor. I wanted to be upright. I didn't want to be stuck on the bed with an epidural. So I was, it was really important to me to have a different experience to the last one. And so I'm really proud of myself for standing my ground there and and doing what I wanted to do um and so yeah just I remember Steph saying to me she was like Kat um have you and Dusk when you were doing your birth prep did you guys ever speak about transition and I just remember saying to her I can't do it anymore and she's like yeah did you speak about transition in like the most gentle way and I was like in the back of my mind I was like this has got to be transition, but I didn't want to believe it because transition meant I was close, right? Like I didn't want to think I was in transition and then I'm not, and I have to keep laboring kind of thing. So, um, her saying that was like really like affirming, which was incredible. Um, and then I asked for a, um, an examination. And so they looked and they were like, look his waters were um bulging so he was like right there but his waters were like stopping him from coming down and I said I'm I would like you to break my waters because everyone just kept saying to me as soon as your waters go your baby's going to be born and I was like okay well I need my baby to be born so I'm ready for you to break my waters like what are the risks involved they spoke to me about the risks I felt comfortable taking that that risk Um, and so they broke my waters and with the next contraction, the fetal ejection reflex kicked in and I was pushing. And I remember like saying to them, I'm pushing, like, I can't control it. I can't stop for the life of me. I'm pushing. And I remember everyone in the room going silent. And I just said, can someone tell me what's happening? And they were all looking down there. And I remember Steph looking up at me and she's like, you're about to meet your baby. Like, (laughs) and I was just like, Oh God, it was just so, so special. And so I should actually mention as well, um, we weren't in lockdown, but it was one of the times that um, you were only allowed one person in the birth suite with you, but I was lucky to get an exemption and have Dusk there. Um, I, we re- applied for the, ex- at the exemption because of my traumatic birth from the last time, the effect it had on my mental health. Um, so we're really lucky to have that exemption and to have dusk at the birth. Um, and so every, 
every moment in between those really strong contractions, I'd look around and I had dust there and I had Steph there and I had Michael there. And I, my daughter has a comfort toy. She calls Rara and we had a spare one. So I was cuddling Rara, which just like felt like such a special connection to her, to have her in that room with me. Um, and yeah, so fetal ejection reflex kicks in and my baby just, it's crazy, but he just slid right out. I feel like, like I just, I, I didn't breathe him out. I screamed him out. Definitely. There was like some mooing, I think. Um, but yeah, it felt really special. And I, even in the moment I was able to be like, this feels, I'm not going to say effortless, but it felt so natural and it, was like such a contrasting experience to pushing with Stella because that they were saying, okay, hold your breath and now push. And then I couldn't feel contractions because I had that epidural. So I didn't know what was going on. They had to tell me when to push, but then this, it was like, my body was like, no, we've got this. Like you've been working hard. We'll take over now. Here's your baby. Mm -hmm. So that was really special. I think when you can feel your body doing that, it is so damn satisfying as well. Like obviously, yeah immense intense pressure but also equally satisfying in in my experience (laughs) yeah exactly and it was just like so like affirming like and I think that's why I I look back on my birthing experience with Stella as like I'm I don't feel that trauma from it anymore I'm almost glad that I had that experience because it made my second birth so special because I knew how hard I'd worked for that Um, and I knew how special it was and kind of how rare it was, to be honest. And I remember, I'm not sure if it was Steph or if it was Dusk said to me afterwards, they were like, wow, we had a birth with just midwives in the room. There was not one obstetrician and we didn't need to call anyone else in. Like it was just midwives. Like how special is that? And I was like, yeah, that's incredible. Like what a beautiful birth so good what position were you in when you gave birth to him so I was I had to lay down so they could break my waters so I was like laying on my side um and I had like a peanut in between my knees so I had knees in and ankles out so literally immediately after you had your waters broken yeah the next contraction And I just like, was just, I remember screaming out, I'm pushing, what's happening? Like, I was so confused because like my body just took over. It was just incredible to experience. Yeah. And I'm sure that you felt absolutely glorious once you had him in your arms. It was incredible. And I remember saying to him, oh my God, like we did it. We did it. Like we, we worked together as a team and you're here and hi, I'm your mom. And I remember just feeling like I was so full of energy and like all of that. And then then I've watched the, I have a few videos and I've watched them back and I'm like whispering because I guess like my energy was so depleted that I just like, couldn't, I couldn't get it out. But in my mind, I was like shouting and I was on top of the world, but yeah, it was, it was so special to have him there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just, I'll never forget it. Yeah. So good. And now for your postpartum this time around, you had your doula, you had your team. Did you experience any anxiety this time around? Yes, I, I still have, um, but I've had a psychologist um, and 
like I've had, yeah, dusk, my doula. I think the most important part for me was to have someone to debrief with. Um, and so having dusk in those first few weeks and months afterwards, just to talk to someone um, was really important. And I think that was super helpful. Um, but yeah, I had a psychologist the entire time and with the help from my GP, I ended up going on anti-anxiety medication, which has helped like so much. And it's like, I was scared of it because I'm breastfeeding, but it's totally safe with breastfeeding. And I feel like a completely different person to what I felt like with Stella. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really incredible the support that I've had and, and just the contrasting experience. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. I think too, there's so, there's something to be said. I mean, there's such a big difference having someone that is, even if it's your best friend or your sister, but then having a doula or a therapist that is there devoted to you solely for you, Mm -hmm. um, it just hits different. It's so true. And I just, yeah, it was, it was so special to have someone there to like walk me through it. Even just like dusk would just like hold a mirror up kind of thing. Like I would say something to her and she'd kind of repeat it back to me. And then I'd be like, Oh, I feel better now. Like even just saying things out loud that I didn't want to burden other people with. Like I had some heavy feelings and I didn't want to put that on my husband because, you know, I believe he was postpartum too. He didn't birth our baby, but he was still going through the highs and lows of, of, you know, pregnancy and labor. And I am sure it was traumatic for him to see, like I was ready for birth, but for him to see me going, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. I'm just crying. That's kind of scary for partners sometimes. So I didn't want to burden him with it, especially after I struggled with Stella. And so having dusk and having my psychologist and those people that I felt like were just there for me was, was great. It was really special. Yeah. So nice. And, and how are you feeling now being nearly a year postpartum? Yeah. So he'll be a year old in like two months, but incredible, honestly, like, yeah, it's just, it's so hard having two kids, but I don't even know. I have three, but it just, everything feels so right. And I just feel like, you know, your birth prepares you for your postpartum and it prepares you for that baby. Right. Like it's just, I had that birth with Luca and, and it's just, I don't know, taught me who I need to be. And even throughout those hard times, there was something that I used to, I was saying in my labor, um, over and over and over again in my mind. And I'd say, I'm the ocean. I create the waves. And I just said it over and over like these, these contractions can't be stronger than me because they are me. And so I remember like being up when Luca was like cluster feeding, he was a couple of weeks old and I was so tired and I'd have like 20 minutes sleep all night. And then in my mind, it just went, I'm the ocean. I create the waves. And I was just like, Oh, like, it's just so funny how it all ties in together and, and that strength that you get from your birth with your baby and, you know, it's fine tuned to them. So I feel incredible. I'm, I feel very lucky to have this beautiful family. Yeah. So special. And then now you're supporting other mums as they transition. So yes. So nice. Loving every minute. <laughs> yeah. 
so good and cooking some beautiful food from what I've seen. Yes. Yeah. I had a big cooking day today and I'll go out and do my deliveries tomorrow. So I'm, I'm just loving it. I just, the idea of someone going through something similar to what I did and feeling isolated just breaks my heart. I wouldn't ever want anyone to feel like that because it was really hard to go through that. So it's super important work that, you know, all doulas are doing. So I feel really blessed to be welcomed into this space. So good. Well, thank you so much, Kat. I've loved listening to your very special story. Thank you so much for having me. It was amazing. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Bloom Birth Stories. If you enjoyed, please subscribe and share with a friend. And if you'd like to share your story, reach out. You can find me over on Instagram at Kate Bloom Doula. See you next week, beautiful.